Welcome to SADCAST, the podcast for working creatives. This is episode 37. I'm your host, Pamela Rooney's designer and co-publisher of the physical magazine, Sad Mag. Just a quick top of the show reminder, we have another comedy show coming up January 20th at The Hive. And we have a stellar lineup, including Katie Ellen Humphreys, Diana Bang, Ashley Farrell, Maddie Vu, Sophie Buttle, San Ung, and Ivan Decker. You really don't want to miss this one. It'll be our best yet, I'm sure of it. So keep your eyes peeled for the Facebook invite, which will be coming as soon as I can make the graphics for that. So today I'm talking with artist Ben Skinner. Ben is super talented um, and he's an artist and he's also the art director of visual display at Aritzia, which means he comes up with all of their fabulous window displays with his team. I learned a lot from our discussion, which went well past this interview, believe me, and he actually ended up informing some of my own new work. Now, I don't usually do art. I mean, I'm creative. I design things. I illustrate things. But fine art, I haven't actually really attempted since my Emily Carr days. And there, I was usually just in the printmaking department. So this new project I'm working on was actually uh, very foreign to me. I decided to try to paint, and specifically with type, which Ben is a genius at. So I got some tips from him, but ultimately I think I need to have more patience with the process and really know that the process and the planning really is a work with this type of stuff. So I think working with computers can spoil you a bit with that because everything is potentially finished. Um, You know, it's more about knowing when to pull the trigger and ship the thing, right? So anyway, you can see one of the pieces on my Instagram, if you're curious, at it's at Pam Rooney's. Anyway, I'm going to drop you right in mid-conversation with Ben because I didn't want to stop the flow of our convo, so I'm just going <laughs> to drop you right in the middle of it. So here's my interview with Ben Skinner. Speaking of uh, seeing artists do their work, you show your process all the time. Yeah, because I think that's the most interesting part uh, if you can like, if you're interested in what an artist does, you want are also interested in how they do it. Oh, big time! And you want to see, uh, like it, for me at least, I want to see other artists' processes, and it's inspiring. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. And every time I go into a gallery, I'm, I'm often kind of looking at how, you know, the, how things were made, mm-hmm. and how they approached how they approached it material-wise and process-wise and um, finishes and how they decided to display the things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because those are questions that I always have when I make my work. Yeah, and I mean, every artist, I think, does that to a certain extent, but most, when they figure it out, don't share it because <laughs> they're very cagey. Yeah, well, I think, uh, I guess I, I'm more aligned with a... Um, with this idea of um, open, uh, open source, open source, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. kind of an open source thing, yeah. And well, that's how you get innovation and teaching, yeah. And so you want to be able, like, I, I'm not a teacher, but I feel like when people want to learn something, and I have something that I know, then it's just an opportunity to spread that knowledge. And yeah, yeah. I'm thankful and have been in the past of others that have shared their yeah. information with me. I've had experiences with, uh, with some, uh, craftsmen 
that are really good at something. And uh, I was like, oh, how do you, you know, what's your, what's your trick for, for doing this? Mm -hmm. And they, and they were like, all like. Really? Yeah, they were. Like, and I, they're just I like a craftsman blank, and you're not And they even... were like, you know what, I've honed this, this skill for a long time and I, I can't just like. Uh, I mean, I guess so. I know. But, uh, but the other know. thing is, is that I think that, you know, when people say like, oh, you, you know, somebody can just do that now. They can just rip you off or they can do that. Well, I, you know, I kind of am like, well, I'd like to see them try. Like I want to yeah. see, yeah. just because I'm showing you how I'm applying like some holographic foil or how I'm using this flocking thing. If somebody wanted to try to use those techniques, they're they're probably going to come at it in a different direction and make work that looks completely different. Yeah, and it's not like you invented flocking or holographic foil either. No, no. So whatever, I guess. Yeah, it's yeah. just like, oh, I'm an oil painter. This is how I'm mixing up my oil paint. Yeah, It's yeah. just more obscure uh, mm -hmm. process of materials, I guess. And how important is it to you that you are doing like using a new material kind of every time and not getting stuck in the same material? I wouldn't say it's like really important to me as a person, but I do feel that it helps me feel uh, uh, less stagnant and I, I get uh, bored. bored. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it happens, you know, even with my work in, in uh, school, I would always be jumping around to different departments. It's like, I want to do some screen printing and I want to do some mm -hmm. performance art and I want to do some photography, yeah. sculpture. And, you know, I was, I was never, I never wanted to be bound to one department and I was taking classes all over the place and trying to just gain yeah. as much yeah. well-rounded, um, good yeah I mean so do you think like your day job then fulfills like a, a really important task like would you prefer to be only a working artist and not have that day job or does that kind of help you go into a different mode of thinking well right now it's it's not easy to just be an artist full-time and uh, be able to pay all your bills yeah. and pay even to make the art that you want to make. Yeah, I was going to ask you. Some of that stuff does not look cheap. Yeah, so it does help. What well, I'm fortunate to have the job that I have that's creative. It, it exposes me to a lot of like uh, fabrication processes mm -hmm. and materials, and that I meet a lot of vendors and have relationships with uh, different vendors in town that can help make mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, like whether it's laser cutting or, you know, um, you know, uh, flat bed printing or printing on fabrics or something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then, um, but then it, it afford having that job, um, affords me the ability to be able to make the art that I would like to make because I don't have to worry about it selling to pay my rent mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I've I've thought about it and I think that my work would probably look different if I was yeah like how much is it informed by the things like you must I mean I you must have to like follow well, I don't know about follow trends I guess you're creating trends in a way because Aritzia is so trendy so you have to like be kind of 
on it, like the marbling, for instance, so yeah. hot, like it just, but then wh- which came first, it being, being popular or, y- or are you doing it, you know? Well, you know, I think things like, like trends have this, this wide kind of, um, kind of fan where they, they start, um, you know, at these very small points and then they slowly get absorbed and saturated out, uh, to a certain point. But the, uh, we, I was noticing marbling on uh, blogs, art blogs and stuff like maybe 2013. Yeah. And then I was doing, and then that uh, inspired us to do a, a window display that had marbling in it, but I didn't know how to do it. And it was an opportunity to, to teach ourselves how to do it. So uh, we, you know, read a lot of things, YouTube, got books, um, yeah. you know, bought a bunch of supplies yeah experimented yeah figured out good techniques and then um, we marbled our own paper and then we scanned them in and um, it's kind of like a really long production story that is I think interesting but not I want to know it's not good enough it's too long for this okay, one thing okay we can talk about it later but we ended up printing on on cardboard sheets double-sided and they folded into these kind of uh, hexagonal boxes yeah, yeah. that could tile as a big kind of wall divider thing. So great. And that was pretty fun to make. It was fun to work within certain restrictions of the printer mm-hmm. and um, and try to get as much variety as I possibly could get out of this these tight restrictions mm-hmm. that were already given to me. So it was like flexing as much as I could inside this mm-hmm. this box. I mean, and in a way, isn't like, I mean, I pr- I like it when there are some boundaries. Obviously, otherwise, you can just go kind of nuts. Like, in mm-hmm. your own like practice, like, do you find it hard that there aren't as many constraints and it's like really open, or do you set constraints for yourself? Usually, the constraints have to do with a deadline, <laughs> like and, a show or something. Yeah, yeah, and it's like and. You know, I like to make work that's specific for a show. Yeah. So, you know, if that's site specific or it's a wall piece or yeah. something that was made for the show is an ideal scenario. Yeah. And like you I, just have one now. Yeah. For Windsor. Yeah. Yeah. And so that came about really quickly. They contacted me like a month and a half maybe in advance and which isn't enough time to make enough work for that whole space. So not at all of it was new though. No, so I did. Yeah. So that was that was we had to choose from works that I already had, and then I decided to do a big mural that would take up a lot of space. Nice, and, <laughs> and only take a couple of days to install. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. it looked really great. Um, Thanks. Yeah, I really liked uh, the use of uh, the Eve's kind blue. Mm-hmm. Also, very trendy. Yeah, and I think that the, you know, I don't know if that trend is maybe just. I feel like it's been trending for a while forever yeah i mean like like maybe it's on the end it's maybe on the end which makes me feel a little bit weird about using it so much in this you know what and i didn't want to (laughs) say but you know what it's such a great color i mean whether it's still like trending is kind of irrelevant i mean it's blue that's amazing yeah no i didn't i actually there's a story behind it and i didn't kind of choose that color because it was a trending color. Well, I'm sure. Not. I chose it because I was at this uh, store called Holly North. Do you know Holly North? It's like a film supply oh, yeah. place yeah, yeah, in yeah, Burnaby. Yeah. 
so I was just, I love that store and they have all sorts of crazy oh, yeah. tape and yeah, interesting yeah. products. So there was a can, one kind of rusty, lowly can. It was a gallon of, uh, it was called uh, Photo, what was it called? Um, like photosensitive? No, it's like a Digicomp Blue. It was called Digicomp oh, Blue. Oh, okay. So yeah. it was a kind of, paint that you would blue screen right. you paint something out so that you can remove it or key it out in right. post-production right and it was so and bright. it was super saturated yeah. pigment and ultra flat yeah and i bought it and i was i painted that plant with yeah. it and yeah. i started painting other things with it and i was like this is such a fun color color yeah. is it absor- and it's not so it has to do with the color a little bit, but it, I think most of it has to do with how saturated and how flat yeah. the color is. And then that led me, I was playing with it and we ended up doing a window display uh, for the summer, Aritzia summer window. that were these kind of abstract kind of plant-like shapes that were just painted MDF, mm-hmm. but we used that same color, yeah, not yeah. the same product, but like yeah, based yeah, on yeah. the same color. Yeah. And then I was, and then that led into the flocking yeah, and I was just like still exploring the the ultra matte mm-hmm. version of that color in different media, and I had a bunch of flocking, and I hadn't actually done anything with yeah, it. Yeah, no, yet. wait a second. So, is the flocking does it come like? Did you have to like dust it on, or is it you do? Okay, mm-hmm. is there's that a not... video on my Instagram of me doing okay, it? Okay, I must have missed that one, but it seems so messy. It's incredibly messy. Yeah, yeah. And it's actually quite dangerous to inhale. Inhale it, yeah. Because it's it really it? fine. It's like polyester, but so, it's really finely ground fibers, shit. and you can just breathe it in, and it gets. Oh, the other thing is that it sticks to everything. It sure. Makes a cloud in the air, and but the the technique I was using. Well, there's a hard edged kind of. Um, painting technique of making that crisp line, mm-hmm. but then after that. There's, uh, I'm just rolling on some uh, blue acrylic paint that uh, oh, has a lot of meat, smart, yeah. has a lot of uh, retarder in it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then, um, and then I use uh, this electrostatic flocking gun that has I've got so a, a sieve on the end. Yeah. it's like a hopper that you fill with the flocking. Yeah, and then there's a there's a uh, transformer with a knob on it so you can kind of crank up the okay. static electricity oh and it charges the little particles, particles so they stay oh so they so stand smart. up i think it's so they align and kind of stand straight up what? as you like where did you get this machine how did you figure it out it's just from event like did you buy it it was it was kicking around what <laughs> Flocking is so like old school and I've always wanted to flock something. And then I've been told many times that no one does it here. Well, they, this is actually from the t-shirt industry. So when you see like flocked letters, often you can buy like letters that you just iron on, but they also can screen print an adhesive and then uh, then flock it. And then they kind of heat, they kind of uh, heat set it with a press, I think. Yeah. Very cool. So that's where this stuff came from. It's from t-shirts. Yeah. 
Oh, that is so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I love how much you love materials. You have that um, two-inch cube collection, I'm sure, mm-hmm. still going. Yeah. I mean, I heard about it a, a while ago. How many cubes are you at? I'm at about uh, 120, maybe. Now, are cubes. they on? Most, a lot of them are wood, though. Okay. There's over 50 wood, maybe 60 different woods. And do you um, like do them all at once? Like, if you find a place that has lots of different materials, are you like, I need like ten cubes of this, this, and this? I wish that there was a place that I could get ten different. <laughs> well, with wood, there is. You know, you can go yeah. to like Windsor Plywood and yeah. buy like a board foot of it or half a board foot of a bunch of different things, and then cut it down. But the, um, you know, there's like because different materials. Um, you don't you can't get in a two inch cube you have to either cut it down right. or you can cast it in a mold right um, but you want it to be like perfect yeah I ideally they're perfect I have a bunch that are not okay not quite two inches I have because of shrinkage usually inside oh. the mold so if the mold you know I'm gonna have to start casting certain things in a bigger mold so that I can cut them down to two inches. Oh, it's so annoying. Yeah. So people probably don't know what this collection's about, but I, uh, a couple years ago, I started a collection of two-inch cubes of different solid materials, and it was, uh, it was kind of inspired by the idea of having children's blocks, you know, that, that kind of familiar size that you can hold in your hand, and, uh, and build from and I remember having uh, blocks as a kid and I thought how it would have been great to have all these different types of wood as blocks because at an early and it would say the name of the wood on yeah. it was my yeah. idea yeah. and I would have absorbed at an early age the, yeah. the being able to tell the difference between pine and maple Yeah, you yeah. know like the hardness the color yeah, yeah. and then um and so it, it started as wood and then Yeah, and then I was out. like I started thinking about it and thinking I could actually do more materials and just have a materials library. Yeah. And this what is this can be a lifelong uh collection where do I just you keep have adding it to it. Written on them now or are they like in some kind of arrangement where there's like a name underneath them, like a big shelf or like where are they and how I do you know? I wish that they were better organized. Okay. But I, I have a lot of the woods, I have a little label on the bottom of them okay. and they're in a drawer, a flat drawer. Right. And um, I've been, I labeled the woods because they were getting so many and I, I couldn't keep track of them anymore. Yeah. Like from sight, I don't, I can't tell. Lychee from Monkey Pod from... Oh my god! You know, yeah, wow. <laughs> Black palm. There was there's a lot of weird exotic ones. When I went to uh, Hawaii a couple of years ago, I went to a wood like a place that sells um, island wood. Oh, perfect! And got them to cut me sections, and then I had to deal with uh, with bringing them back. Was everyone like, border. "What is? What are these?" Yeah, I had oh. to like open all the packages up and show them <laughs> at the. At customs, there's a special place you go. Did they buy your story? Yeah, they just had to inspect them, that there weren't like holes for where there could have been bugs. Okay, fair enough. Not explosives, but insects. No, it was insects. Yeah. Okay, well, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I have a question for you. Would you rather only eat the same thing for the rest of your life, or only work with one material for the rest of your life? 
it's a brutal question. Hmm. Yeah, well, I would probably have to go with eat. Um, I would I would work with the same material as long as I could eat other things. Okay. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> food is important. Food is very important. I know. I get bored with food too. Oh yeah. I think boredom is just like a thing for an artist, don't you? Yeah. I don't know. I d- I find it myself anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't talk to you about your gingerbread house oh, this yeah. year. So every year, you and your wife make a crazy gingerbread, I don't know, mansion? What do you want to even call it? A project. <laughs> project. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so what's what are you doing this year? This year, we're making, it's called Sugar Mountain. It's okay. a large, uh, kind of faceted, gingerbread, mountainous structure that's a cave. And... Um, so one section of one side is open and reveals the kind of hollow interior of this cave. And we're leaving the exterior mostly undecorated and um, plain uh, oh. brown ginger. And we iced, we seamed it with icing that we tinted the color of the oh. gingerbread so it blends in. Whoa, perfect. And then the interior is all iced white. And we have um, like amethyst um sugar crystals like a geodesic dome kind of thing a little bit but there's insects these cute little critters that are inhabiting the sugar mountain there's uh the the kind of big uh kahuna is uh centipede (laughs) (laughs) this huge centipede that's actually really cute if you can make a centipede cute which genevieve is doing a great job at. nice and then he's going to have a little Santa hat. Oh and God. it's like a mine where there's like a, there's like train cars with like candy and sugar crystals ah, in them. So great. And a big pile of sh- amethyst colored sugar crystals and beetles and awesome. ladybugs. How yeah. do you come up with the idea? This was mostly Genevieve. Well, it was, it's not just Genevieve and I, it's actually, we've got some other helpers collaborating. Okay. okay. Um, so there's a small group of us that are uh, that are working on it together. So we actually got uh, some of them, um, Genevieve and uh, Morag and Sarah worked on uh, the one last year that I wasn't a part of because I was too busy at the mm-hmm. time. And so um, Genevieve invited them to help out with this one. And we br- started brainstorming like, in the beginning of the summer, actually, oh, wow. we got together and and uh, had a brainstorming session and looked at inspiration, tears of what, you know, yeah. things that we were interested in. Cool. And it just started forming. Wow. And where is it displayed every It's year? going to be at the Hyatt the Hotel. Hyatt. Okay. So they have a, a gingerbread lane, I guess it's called. It's a competition every December. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a charity project fundraiser for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. That's awesome. So you won it, I assume? Well, last year they won um, they won first prize awesome. in the professional category. There's professional Ooh. and amateur. And then the year before, we won um, second prize in the amateur category. Okay. Which ha- There's more competition in a way in the amateur because there's a lot more people. What makes an amateur and a professional? 
it's really ambiguous there. It's like whether you're a school or not or something, maybe. Oh, so weird. Mm-hmm. You wor- you work with your wife on other like art projects so also. Yeah, well, we've collaborated on stuff in the past, but we have a separate art practice. But we work together at Aritzia a lot. Um, designing the window displays. So we do the concept development together now. Right. Oh, wow. So how do you find that? Do you argue? Is it pretty... Um, we work really well together. We're a good team, That's and good. Um, we do argue about things a little bit, but it's very um, it's very productive, I think, yeah. arguing where we're just trying to get the best result, and sometimes yeah. we don't see um, how to get there the same way, just like anybody mm-hmm. you're collaborating with. It doesn't, it, that has nothing to do with the fact that she's my wife. Sure, yeah. And we, you know, we'll, you know, we um, compromise and we come up with, directions that we both feel excited about and sometimes one of us will feel more ownership over one idea because maybe um, it was one of our babies more Mm -hmm. you know and so we have some that are more her ideas and some that are more my ideas Mm -hmm. but we end up developing them together figuring them out together and making a lot of the decisions on what materials and ways that they could be made Mm -hmm. and then before it goes to production and then there's a whole other set of compromises that happen. sure yeah with production (laughs) of course it's like nope (laughs) impossible too expensive yeah oh i know that all too well oh do you answer to anyone else or are you free to do whatever no we marketing has a creative director that is uh in charge of all the creative that comes out of the marketing department okay so um uh, we run our ideas by him, and he gets um, almost final say. And then we present to the CEO okay. of Aritzia, who has final say. Okay. So there's a couple checkpoints. Yeah. Uh, but because we have a pretty good track record, we have a lot of trust. trust. Yeah. So it's not like working with a new client every time, where yeah. you have to prove yourself. Yeah. And you know, posturing, it's more just like, you know, they're excited to see the latest ideas and, and we show them more ideas than, than we need Mm -hmm. so that there's a bit of a menu and things can be put aside or crossed off. Right. And then, um, and you know, we're always tweaking them based on feedback. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that they've killed that you really wanted to do? Oh yeah. (laughs) Many things. (laughs) Yeah, lots of times. And, you know, uh, I've learned a lot of lessons. Um, and I'm just getting better and better at it, I think, um, not making the same mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's probably coming from an advertising kind of agency, you know, that, um, you know, the clients want to see more than one idea. Yeah. But sometimes you don't it. have a lot of time and you end up throwing it, or you, you really, really want to do this one idea. So you but throw in you some throw in some straw man and yeah. then they choose it. Yeah. So that's the problem is in the past, <laughs> I've had the idea that we didn't like and we didn't want to do get chosen. And mm. then everybody's sad. Yeah. You just can't show something you're not happy with. Yeah. But I, it's a lesson that I all keep. So now, now, you know, we are uh, ahead enough in the calendar that we can really um, focus on making really good ideas, I think. Yeah. And we're, I think we're a pretty strong team. And so we can come up with a lot of good ideas and we're excited about all of them and willing and 
happy to do any of them. They get chosen. Mm -hmm. And then we have to now put them in order of what our preference. Yeah, yeah, which is And that's actually really hard, yeah, because yeah, it's kind of like, okay, put your kids in order of preference. Yeah, like, I don't know. Which kid do you like the best? But then do you just, like, <laughs> use the, you maybe use the other ideas the next time, or do you always kind of start fresh? Yeah, we, well, some of them. We end up, uh, we have a thing we call the parking lot, where yeah. we just, like, put ideas that yeah. didn't make it into the, they weren't allocated for this upcoming season that we're presenting. But you still like it. But they like it. Maybe we'll present it next time. Mm -hmm. I always yeah. find it hard to go back there. I feel like yeah. we could top it. Yeah, it is hard to bring up an older idea that you felt was fresh last year. And yeah. then it's like, yeah, I don't really want to do that one now because I've got these new ideas. Yeah. Or does that happen because you're working actually a year almost in advance? Mm -hmm. Doesn't that happen too? Like, oh, well, this is kind of cool this time, but then it's not by the time it's like out? A little bit, but I think that one of the things that we try to strive for is that is to have a bit of timelessness in mm -hmm. the in the concept so that it doesn't feel like yeah it could only happen in 2016 yeah during fall yeah you know yeah and that it it feels like it it could you know if you look back on it five years from now you're not going to be embarrassed by it yeah and yeah. you're not going to be like oh that's so are you are you like how do you feel about all like your personal work looking back do you feel like that at all or do you just get rid of that stuff wipe it from the internet forever no i keep an archive that goes way back on my website i was it looking goes, but i'm like i like all this stuff but maybe you don't have anything you don't like on there i, I have know. well i guess i i um i'm still happy with those with older works but well, a lot of them don't exist anymore, or they are sold, sold or they're or gone, right? Yeah. But the, um, I think that the one of the things I feel about that is when a gallery wants to have a show, and they, yeah, I don't want to show old work. Right. I don't even want to show work that I have in my studio that I made this year. I want to show new work that I haven't made. Yeah. And every time I have a show, it's an opportunity to make a new body of work mm -hmm. and explore a new idea through a, a, a short series. Mm -hmm. Usually I work in like little, in series is where I'll make like four of something or five of something mm -hmm. and then I'll be tired of it. <laughs> and how satisfied are you when you're done? Are you like, oh, it could be better? Or are you just like, yeah, no, this is, it's done, I love it. How do you hmm. feel? Um, I think I know when things are done and I'm happy to close the, the book on it mm -hmm. and, uh, and move it. Your projects seem very planned though, too. I really plan it out like yeah. a, like a designer. Yeah. So I, I think that working at Aritzia has made me, has kind of molded me that way, mm -hmm. but I often will design my paintings on the computer, you know, plan them out, you know, uh, maybe on I have a stretcher of a certain size, so I make an artboard that size, yeah, and I yeah. like design it, uh, and I choose the colors, and I figure yeah. it out, yeah, and that's that's very separate kind of process and and mindset that I'm in, than when I'm in the studio, actually executing, yeah, and I'm 
and it's more of a science laboratory yeah and i'm like following some some this guideline blueprint this blueprint but it's kind of like methodologies and okay yeah i know that this material goes over this material and i just have to do this and this and this in these steps yeah yeah until it's done yeah and i don't have a lot of time a lot of it's like time management Mm. in the studio because i have a full-time job so when you have a show coming up and you need to make like you know 10 new pieces or something i have to be i have to look at the calendar and be like oh i have four weekends yeah, yeah. Like, how are you gonna do it? <laughs> I have four weekends, and then like, okay, what can I do at the end of my work day? Yeah, yeah. Or I find myself coming in, you know, like an hour or two early, to just like do this one thing because I have, um, I'm able to use space mm-hmm. at, at work, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's a big, very lucky, big plus right there. Do you think you'll be there? I mean, you've been there for ten years. Yeah. Will you be there another 10 years, you think? Uh, potentially. I don't good know. Good place to work. That's I don't it is a, it, it, you know, it's it's good for me right now and um, uh, yeah, I'm happy to to keep doing what I'm doing. Sometimes it's it's frustrating to not have more time uh, to my art practice. Yeah. But that come it's a it's a give and take and sometimes you know the bonuses outweigh the or the positives outweigh the negatives mm-hmm. i guess so i just have to end up working within the restraints of of uh a nine to five yeah you know and then uh which shapes the type of art that i make i think mm-hmm. a little bit mm-hmm. and but and, and how great. much i can make <laughs> it's all working for you though thanks <laughs> well thanks for coming and chatting with me no problem We'll see you around the galleries. Okay. So just a quick PSA. The SADCAST is going to take a a holiday break, and I'll be back in January when we talk with the lovely and talented Tierney Milne. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, have a listen to this great track from local Vancouver band Tough Customer. It's like fun art pop with a quirky punk vibe. Plus, it's all about giving someone what for. So this is Tell You Off by Tough Customer. <laughs> 